I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. And I'm Valerie. And today, we watched the Disney movie, DuckTales, the movie, like, Treasure of the Lost Lamp or something like that. I just call it DuckTales the movie. It's easier for me to write. Mom is singing the theme over here. <laughs> but uh, I don't do it well, so I kept it inaudible. <laughs> I mean, you'll probably hear it. <laughs> this uh, is a movie released in the midst of the original DuckTales series uh, happening. Apparently, um, as far as the inner chronology of the series, the events of the film take place between the third and fourth season for all of you original DuckTales heads, whatever. (laughs) Um, Who would like to do a brief spoiler-free plot synopsis of this film? I'll try. All right. Um, The film starts with Scrooge checking in on a dig site where he has been looking for the treasure of uh, some guy for 40 years. Um, a launch pad crashes in. They pull something out of uh, a hole. He thinks it's the treasure, but it's just some clothes and he's all sad. But then one of the kids, one of the nephews finds a map and they they follow it. They uh, find the treasure. But while you're there, you see, oh, somebody is, is not what he seems. And it turns out that somebody else is looking for the treasure but maybe something more uh so they go find the treasure and scrooge is happy uh webby finds like a little lamp thing and scrooge is like eh, whatever but maybe i want it but then <laughs> uh i like the part where she's like oh maybe i'll take this thing this is pretty and it's this gem encrusted crown and he's like uh no i'll take that you take this <laughs> um so they find the treasure the person who was also looking for the treasure comes in, strands the crew. And takes, takes the treasure. Yeah, takes the treasure, strands the crew. But the treasure that he took doesn't have what he's looking for. It turns out it was this lamp that Webby had. So, of course, the lamp has a genie. The kids re- release the genie, uh, have some fun. But the guy comes in and, and eventually gets it. And, yes, yeah, so they're fighting over this genie and the lamp. Yeah, basically. Um... Without getting into spoilers, what did we think of this movie? It was fine. Um, It would probably be a bit more entertaining in the midst of the series, like it was released. I mean, obviously I know who the the gist of who the characters are in the film, cause, so they don't do much introducing you to the main crew, because, you know, you sensibly know them already. But it also made the... It made it less engaging, I guess, because it didn't bother to make you care. But it it, it was fine. Um, I thought it was it was it was cute. It was it was. Uh, I also like this nicer, kinder version of the uh, the triplets. And then, of course, I love little Webby. Uh, but yeah, it was it was enjoyable. Um, yeah, it's fine. I don't think I recommend it. Really, it's it's fairly mediocre. I think it's decent as a arc in a tv series but not that interesting as its own movie and uh i think i'm just kind of spoiled by the later ducktail series actually giving most of these characters personalities because <laughs> most of them don't have much of them particularly the children and mrs beakley and stuff they're just 
non-entities for the most part, and the few character traits they have aren't that interesting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I'd probably enjoy the actual original series better, though. Um, and if, like Valerie said, if you watched this between season three and four, then yeah, it probably works better. But on as a standalone, it kind of feels like watching, like, a Naruto movie without watching the Naruto series. It's like, this... this it might be technically fine enough on its own merits, but you're not really in the mood. Like, you're not in that because you weren't watching Naruto. It's, it feels like something that needs to be watched with the series. I don't know. That's fair. Let's get specific. Though this film received positive reviews from the critics, um, it underperformed at the box office, earning only $18 million on a $20 million budget, resulting in several planned DuckTales films being scrapped. Um... During the film's opening credits, the title's typeface is similar to that of the Indiana Jones films. Another homage to Indiana Jones films comes later in the movie when someone looking like Indiana Jones can be seen briefly when Scrooge and Genie visit the Explorers Club. Uh, these references were thanks to Gary Crystal, the president of Disney Television Animation, who had an obsessive fascination with the Indiana Jones series. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're saying that cameo was in this one? Yeah, I oh, missed okay. it too. Um, but yes, um, this is also just, it's notable to point out that this film is the first one from, at the time, Disney Movie Tunes, uh, later known as just kind of Disney Tunes, yeah. who are basically the the B studio for Disney. Not even the B, because they had like an A and a B, like the C studio for Disney, the ones that do all of the uh, sequels, all the animated sequels, direct-to-video ones. Uh, this is the studio's first output that would eventually lead there. But hey, they also give us Goofy Movie, so... Yeah, no. Uh, don't... Yeah, this... I, I know that they give us Goofy Movie, so I don't, exactly. I don't need to rag on them. Can't, can't begrudge them too much, because they do give us Goofy Movie. So <laughs> um, but, yeah, this is their first venture, um, and I'll talk more about that when we get start talking specifically about animation. But, uh, yeah, let's let's talk some about the story and characters and stuff. Sorry, what was the villain's name? Murloc. I wasn't a fan, and part of it is, uh, and I can't think of the uh, the the actor's Christopher name, Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. He just is not menacing enough to me to have the voice of just a good villain. I mean, I mean, and understandably, he used a deep voice, but it was so distinctively him that I just didn't. I just literally had a hard time from the the moment he opened his mouth, just really. I don't know, feeling... I don't... I didn't have much of a problem with him, with the actor, just the character as represented on the screen. Not... Just not very good. Um, Not a lot of good times to really shine and, like, be interesting. And a whole lot of just him being a rodent or a cockroach and having silly adventures that just, like, take away all possible villain respect that he gets yeah. he just he doesn't feel intimidating because i watched him get hit by mrs beakley earlier while he was a rat which was like good for her but like doesn't make him an an interesting villain like interesting or intimidating because it kind of he's not very interesting so really all he has to rely on is the intimidation factor which is constantly undermined so he just kind of doesn't have much beyond like a vaguely kind of interesting design but not interesting enough 
he's just not he's just not that good a character wish it was Magica that would have been way better well and even the fact that again he polymorphs into all of these different creatures which by the way just cracks me up because it's almost like his face yeah as a cockroach or as a rat yeah. or as whatever it's I think it would have been better. We talked about this before, but there, other than him bullying um, Dijon all the time, th- there's not enough that really makes me feel like he is putting the others in danger or in real danger to make him feel like he's a real viable. So villain. what you're saying is that we have a black cauldron situation. Yeah, yeah. Where the guy's supposedly menacing. But really all that he ever does is beat up on the one minion who's literally there for that purpose and never really feels like he poses any genuine threat to our heroes. Exactly. Except this undermines it even more than the, than, uh, what, Lich King or whatever that guy's name is. He's not the Lich, but... Horned King. Horned King. Yes. Uh, Even more than that, because the Horned King at least doesn't have a bunch of scenes where he's, like, getting beat up for comedy value. Right. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, yeah, he's just not... Just not great. Yeah. And and I I think that's why, and I'm not trying to be down on Christopher Lloyd, because between Christopher Lloyd not being a typical villain that I'm normally, like, I I don't know, I, I just find Christopher... Christopher Lloyd usually so comical because I could just picture his expressions as a real actor so much, um, which fit in with them, you know, making him get stepped on as a cockroach and shoot as a rat and all that kind of stuff. But but then again, he's like not really even talking yeah. during those scenes. No, so. so I just mean so so to me it didn't have just it, it lost on all counts for me I guess you know because again the voice and and the actor doesn't really make me think villain and then they certainly didn't have this character you know in danger again our our main actor so there was just really nothing that other than another kind of annoying character for them to deal with other than that off of uh murloc uh at the beginning of the movie when when all the the towers get dominoed um i it was of course like roll eyes of course that had to happen but at least they at least i just thought the plane was gonna crash into one and then knock them all over but instead the plane like (laughs) flies up and then like falls and the tip of its wings are just pushing two columns and then it slowly just pushes them like it was at least a kind of amusing way for that to happen um what are sumo wrestling scorpions and why did Launchpad know them on site? <laughs> <laughs> I have questions. He probably reads a lot of adventure books or something. It <laughs> might be comics. But also, what are what, what are those? But here, that's another thing. I'm sorry. They looked cute. Almost comical. They were kind of ugly look, cute. Yeah. I mean, they they didn't look... They I weren't mean, intimidating. Yeah, they yeah. weren't. Because they just didn't... Yeah. Which Even, is... That's fine enough. They're yeah. just the monster things. Yeah. Um, but combining that with the villain, not... Yeah, I, I get it. Also, one thing that I do... What I am amused with or do like with Murloc is just him being really petty and killing a bunch of people because of it supposedly in the past. Like Atlantis was a resort and he was denied a reservation. So he just sunk Atlantis and he also was the cause for Pompeii. And it's like, 
that's like pretty messed up that his <laughs> just like whims killed a bunch of people. But then you actually see the man who supposedly did this and you're like, okay, but you're like not anything though. So whatever. Yeah. But I was amused that it was just a denied reservation that resulted in Atlantis being lost to us. Yeah. Um, real quick, while we're on the, um, sorry, the kind of the escape scene from the cave, uh, with with the Crete, the sumo, whatever the scorpion things. Yeah. Um, that was another thing is they didn't make the time to me the timing of, um, uh, you know all all of them uh, Scrooge McDuck and and um and all of the kids and and everyone they just weren't in enough peril like it, it, it the timing needed to be better because for example you know they get down to the scorpion and they ha- they have some kind of fight with them but like no one almost get stung by like a tail or gets pinned or is about to be offed and someone grabs them and swoops them out of there. And then I love how they conveniently like run off of this thing and then they run into like where they're going. Oh, sorry. They get underneath some kind of basket, basket thing. Yeah. Uh, which again, n- nothing seems to be able to snap at them or whatever. Um, well, once something well, there is pushed. one like they, they, thing that try, but nothing majorly that seems like this. And then they run into this other room and then by the time they decide to turn it over and get into the river, then one of these scorpion thing comes out. Sure, like there was this big open door and all of a sudden what the scorpion things are that took them that long to say, oh, we're going to pursue these people. I mean, it's just... The timing just was kind of like, okay. They didn't feel that in peril at all. Yeah, yeah. Later in the movie... Um, after, after Jeannie has, has started becoming a character, he's like dressed up as uh, a kid with them for a long time and granting wishes while he does so. But then when Louie makes a wish for him to change the toys back in front of Scrooge, for some reason, he has to change back into his regular Jeannie outfit. And why did that? No, happen? he didn't say change the toys back. He said things go back to normal. And so, so I, it's normal for him to be wearing that outfit. Is that what you're trying to say? I would, I would say yes. Okay, fine. I guess that's <laughs> if he said change the toys back specifically. Sure. But he said things go back to normal. Sure. And then Scrooge is pretty messed up with how he treats Jeannie, right? Yeah, I mean, I know that's time. part. Of, that's part of the plot. So it's not. I. I would. I didn't put that in. How's it hold up? Because that's part of his character growth. Is coming to see him as a person, but it's pretty messed up that his default was to not. Yeah. Um. I. I. Well, I just ultimately wanted to say the plot. Again, a lot of cliches. I definitely see a lot of. Uh, callbacks to Indiana Jones and you know adventure movies and just so much of what happened was just very predictable it also just doesn't feel like it this thing has its origins as originally being thought like they originally were thinking of this just being an arc in the show and then decided to make it a movie and it kind of feels like it because I can kind of see the delineation between three different episodes in this movie, mm. which is them getting the treasure yeah. in the lamp, uh, the the kids discovering that there's a guy in the lamp and befriending him, and then Scrooge takes him, and then the the end of the movie where Scrooge loses the lamp and loses and and stuff goes real bad for him and they have to to save the day or whatever like it. Mm, yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Like they flow together decently well to where it doesn't feel 
like it literally was three episodes that yeah. were strung together, but it does feel like the original concept was multiple episodes that they then worked into more of a cohesive whole, but those origins can still be felt, you know? Because cause we've seen things that are literally like multiple episodes string together, like Cinderella 2 and stuff, and yep. we will unfortunately see more. Um, but this doesn't feel like that, but you can feel how it started out, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it doesn't, it doesn't feel as much of a movie as it could if I think... I think they probably needed to rework it a bit more once they decided it was a movie to make it feel more movie-like. I don't know. Yeah. I think... It, yeah, it probably would have been fine as a part of the show. It's just, you know, just whatever's happening that week. But as... As a thing that you would go to see, like, And they in a did theater. show this in theaters. Yeah, like, you you said that they didn't... I can see why people wouldn't... They would just wait to see it. Like, the, this isn't a theater-going experience. It would be one thing if there was either, like, a culmination of a bigger storyline or pulling in the characters that you like. Like, you mentioned Magica. I would have loved to see, like, the Beagle Brothers there or something. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, seriously, having, having Magica and or the Beagle Brothers would have made this so much more enjoyable. <laughs> Just because we know yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. And Dijon could have called them to try to sell stuff to them. No. But no. Um, we didn't need Dijon either, but I'll talk more about him later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's it's fine enough. I don't know. Want to talk some about the voice acting? Okay. Sure. The initial voiceovers took one year and another six months were spent on retakes. And although Alan Young had never worked with Christopher Lloyd or Rip Taylor before, he said he would sit there in awe watching them at work. Alan Young being the voice actor who does Scrooge. Mm. Um, and then Rip Taylor is Dijon. No, not Dijon. Sorry. Uh, the genie. Um, Rip Taylor spent three six-hour stints by himself, um, well, sorry, in addition to working with Alan Young and Rosie Taylor, Rip Taylor spent three six-hour stints by himself to record new lines, and at one point even phoned in some of his lines. I was in Atlantic City when they called me and said they needed to change some dialogue. I found a phone in a radio studio and phoned in six or seven pages of dialogue. I had to do it seven times because they kept changing the dialogue. I wonder why they kept changing. I don't know. Um, and then, yeah, as far as the voice actors for the main characters, it's all the normal people. Um, if you're not aware, Mom, Huey, Dewey, Louie, and Webby are all voiced by Rusie Taylor, um, who is also well known for being, at that time, the the voice for Minnie Mouse. Oh, So, wow. <laughs> who's well, not in the movie, but yeah, okay. you can hear, you can definitely hear Minnie in Webby's voice. Um, and then Huey, Dewey, and Louie, they, they sound... Not enough like young boys, uh, but they all sound literally the same. Um, and then Alan Young, longtime voice of Scrooge McDuck, going back to the Mickey Christmas Carol special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got Christopher Lloyd in here. June Foray was Miss Featherby, which is the like older lady who talked to Scrooge in his office at one point. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Gotta give him his lunch. Yeah. Uh, Char- Charlie Adler's in here somewhere. Frank Welker's in here somewhere, probably mm-hmm. doing animal voices. There's a there's maybe like the, a bunch of people. Scorpion Bugs. No, maybe there's a bunch of people that are uh, just additional voices. I don't know who they voiced. Doesn't at some point David Tennant become Scrooge McDuck? In yeah, the, the yeah, new sure. series. Okay, yeah, got, series. got it. Let's talk about animation. 
As I kind of alluded to earlier, this film marked the first time Disney distributed an animated film that was not produced by Walt Disney Feature Animation. It was the first Disney animated film to be produced by Walt Disney Television Animation under the banner of Disney Movie Tunes, later known as Disney Toon Studios. Uh, This film was also the last Disney feature to use cell animation, because everything after this was... um, was done in the computer with their their cap system or whatever that I think uh, Rescuers Down Under was the first one to use. Um, animator Larry Rappel shared his experience during the film's production. I was the sole American working at the Paris studio during this production. The other creative artists hailing mostly from France, Denmark, Australia, and Italy. This little movie ended up being quite important because of the many notable animation professionals who got their start on this project. Besides myself, there are, among others, DreamWorks animators uh, Sylvain Deboise and Nicolas Mar- Marlette, French animation director Pierre Lipfout, and ILM's James Baker and Daniel Jeanette. For all the Europeans working on this Disney feature, it was a dream come true, and because most of us were working on a feature for the first time in our lives, in a way, it was our Snow White. And that's cute. It makes me appreciate it more than I otherwise do. Because it's definitely... It ain't no Snow White. (laughs) But I don't blame the animators for that. I I will say I did like the character design of the animals that the guy was turning into. Like you said, it kind of had his face there. They were all characterful the bear was intimidating yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. that was the scare that was the one that that seemed like it was a threat but then the bear didn't i don't i like i mean it was a roach and that was gross but he moved like he had a lot of personality yes uh Mm -hmm. definitely yeah the animation in this movie is interesting to me particularly the animation looks really at first especially looked kind of odd to me and i think it's related to the shading but then the shading literally just disappears like permanently (laughs) like in the beginning of the movie they have really obvious shading all over their person not just like a shadow is there but they have shading and then they go into like the tomb or temple or whatever and it kind of goes away and i thought it was just because they were in the tomb but then when they got back out into bright daylight those that type of shading was still completely gone and stayed gone for the rest of the movie this takes too long it costs too much i know right i'm like what why why is it like this it was really off-putting for me and and it they i was able to accept it more without the shading it felt more like like the show or whatever, but with the shading, it felt weird, almost like it was computer animate, like not computer animated, like 3D, but animated in a computer, but it wasn't. And it just, it felt weird. And I don't know what was up with that. And I especially don't know why they had it and then dropped it. Like you either do that for the full movie or you don't do it. Why would you have both? But yeah. whatever. Well, I mean, if you have people rewriting things, maybe they're like, a vision of it being a more of a theatrical thing. And then it's like, oh, wait, we either don't have the time and or money yeah. to continue this. Yeah, I Let's guess. Let's just drop it. Yeah, it's very odd. I don't know. I, I, I will say this. I the, I thought it was attractive animation overall. I, I liked the looks of the characters. And I also liked the color. I just, I love the color and the detail of things. Yeah, um, and, it's, and it's just, it's, it feels it's like an adventure cartoon. Like it, mm-hmm. it looks, it overall looks quite good and is animated well. Um, it's obviously not animated at the level of uh, a main Disney feature, but 
no one should be expecting that. So, but definitely higher than it didn't feel just just like cartoon quality to me. It yeah, was, it was definitely a like step it doesn't above. like it doesn't feel like Return to Jafar, Correct. which feels yeah. like literal just TV quality animation. Right. This was put in theaters, and you could at least be like, I can at least see an argument for that. Whereas like no one would have put Return of Jafar in theaters. Um, I love that movie, but yeah. So it's, yeah. Like the, I mean, the animation is pretty good. Um, I have some issues with it, but that's some of that is more related to a different section. Um, but overall, overall, I think it's good, even if it's kind of messy, like, yeah. Uh, I have a question and this relates to character stuff too. Well, Hmm. Maybe this is spoilers. Oh, I will say. Is it? Should it wait? How long? How long did you think that the genie was an old guy? Uh, literally until the end. Liter- literally until the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I wonder. If... Not necessarily like old, but like a a man, a yeah. full adult. <laughs> Just a short adult. Yes. Uh, yeah, no. I'm Honestly, gonna... I'm still not completely convinced that that was, wasn't the case. <laughs> it's just that... And we can talk about it more in spoilers, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just likes doing things kids like to do because he was stuck in a, a lamp for a really long time. So, yeah, new, like, video games and stuff. Of course he'd want to do that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know just, if they could have done anything I think it's to make just, it more obvious. I think it's just when you have a grown man do voice the character and not try to sound like he's young, then the the character doesn't sound like, doesn't seem like a child. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's, he's whimsical, but he's right. still an adult. Right. Yeah, I, I wonder if you think voice was a big part of it? I think voice was a big part. What the the character designed some too. Um, the eyebrows really the eye the eyebrows and him having like a really full large bill compared to Huey Dewey Louie and Webby who don't. Um, and I the, think for them those com- too. Those combined with I mean, but overall their character design isn't supposed they're right. like it's pretty small on their head, com- whereas his is like fills up goes around the side of the head is like a full beak. yeah. Um, but yeah, those two design choices, and in particular the eyebrows and the beak, combined with the voice, is just like, it was literally impossible for me to not see him as an adult who's just short. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. We can discuss it more in spoilers, but yeah. Yeah, just curious. Um, I don't know if there's any point in talking about how a DuckTales movie would be live action, because it would just not be about ducks. Like, yeah, you could make an Indiana Jones Vegas thing that follows a similar story to this, but a lot of the beats in it are, like, cartoon beats that aren't gonna, like... I mean, even if they're not cartoon beats, it's just, uh, like, you, you, you could make a live-action, like you said, adventure story, but, like, this one's particularly about a world where, like, it is... Everyone is, people are everyone is ducks animal. and dog people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Uh, so, like, what would you get out of, out of doing this? This isn't even, like, a meshing of animal characters and humans. It's like, no, the people here are ducks. I think if you made this live action and not DuckTales, then there's even less reason to watch it. Because it doesn't really, it's not, like, a brilliant plot that stands out on its own. Yeah. The main thing that 
it all it all carries it is that hey that Scrooge McDuck and Launchpad and and all the ch- kids I care about them yeah so I don't really have anything to say about character design uh, sound not design. about sound design words um, David Newman did the score and I think he's done a lot of scores but the thing that I've recently dealt with that comes to mind is that he did the score for Anastasia. Um, and that's a really good score. I didn't pay that much attention to the music here. It's probably fine. Like it never bothered me. So I think he did a fine job, but I didn't pay that much attention to it. Truth be told. Same. Let's go on to the part that our podcast is named after. How's it hold up? I have a lot of notes here. Uh Um, Really unsure about the brown characters and their accents, especially Dijon uh, was a note that I put on early on. Uh, and then I was like, yeah, this guy's like all groveling and subservient, but duplicitous and just feels like a really uncomfortable stereotype. Also, his name is Dijon. He has a joke name like he's ketchup. Mustard. But the, but Dijon sounds like it could maybe be kind of foreign or something. It, he just made me uncomfortable the whole time. <laughs> and I just, I didn't like it. Yeah. It feels like a gross stereotype of like your duplicitous groveling brown guy who's a henchman to a villain who's of course coded way more white. <laughs> so wasn't comfortable with that. Didn't Didn't like it. The race politics in this feels weird even before you get to the fact that this movie's about a rich man stealing another culture's treasure and he deserves it because he's been searching for that treasure for a long time right right and he's like no most of it will go to a museum which is also bad which which is also doesn't need to go to a museum either because it doesn't belong to the museum so (laughs) there's just our Views on rich people, I think, have changed a lot exactly. since since this since Duck, the original Ducktales series. Um, I don't, I couldn't tell you why offhand because it's been a, like a year or two since we were really watching the newer series. That one didn't hit the button as hard for me of just uncomfortableness with Scrooge's wealth as this one does. Because mm-hmm. this one just, I'm like, oh no, the rich man lost his money and stuff. It's sad. I'm just, it was hard for me to care. And um, Yeah, especially before that where he's like, I've been looking for this treasure for 40 years. Yeah, and it's like, like okay, well, it was literally never yours, but... Exactly. As, as he as well, as he calls them in. as he calls them thieves for taking the thing that he was going to steal. I just... Oh, and the, like as he destroys old things. Yes. Launchpad is like, hey, at least it's not new, and it's like, okay, yes, destroying ancient right structure. And it's like, well, at least Launchpad is stupid, and that's his excuse. Yeah, 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 What's yeah. your excuse, Scrooge? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's just... and, and of course, all he does is hoard his money. I mean, uh, yeah. there's nothing redeeming about that. Yeah. It's. Yeah, it's an unfortunate just facet of this character and the show. Yes. But it feels. Even more at the fore because the first half of the movie is all the first third of the movie is all about him like going into a tomb and stealing treasure and feeling entitled to it. And also like these brown people working for him to dig stuff up for him or whatever. Like it's just it's just all kind of really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, not on that note. 
Um, but also still on a race note, um, the genie at one point says, can I be the guy who dresses like a Native American, but not that word is that word is not the one that's used and throws the tea off the boat. And then also later says something about war pain and tomahawks. And I'm just like, huh, yeah, really this also cool. wasn't a great era for Native American representation, was it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think this is a little bit before we start getting all the, the last of the Bohicans and all of those slew of movies. <laughs> um, not a great, not a great era on that front. And Pocahontas, anyways. And then finally, uh, this is technically in spoilers, but I'm not going to give any details beyond this. So whatever. Miss Beakley fainting again and again just isn't funny, and Miss Beakley is not funny in this movie. She's just the butt of the joke constantly because she's scared of things and she's fat and bumbling and like uh, she's just not. Yeah, Miss Miss Beakley in the new show is way better. <laughs> um, well, we don't even see the butler. I don't know what happens. To he's him. yeah, he's like he's, bare, he's around some. Trials. He doesn't do anything of note. He's just there. Anything else from you guys for this section? Uh, no, you hit on the all the things uh, you had written. Boston yeah. Tea Party one, where yeah. I was like, Ooh, okay, yeah, yeah, that was that was yeah, just just the general. And did they actually did they say that? Or no, maybe Austin not. Tea Party. Yeah, yeah. They, I was gonna say they directly said that. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was like, it's not the Boston Tea Party mm. because she's having a tea party, and okay, and yeah. so there's a misunderstanding with the the genie and Webby. Actually, on that note, uh, just the general gender politics. Like the thing that's different about Webby is that she's a girl and she likes tea parties and stuff, but of course the boys aren't into that, and that's just really eye rolly. That was. It's pretty small. Compared to a lot of the other issues in the movie, but it did, it does bother me just because it feels like that is really all that there is to Webby in this original series. And I guess you can be like, she's the one with more heart, which is like a really stereotypical thing for the girl character to have as her defining trait. And so it's, God, I, yeah, Webby is way better in the later series too, so. Yeah, that one didn't bother me as much in terms of, like, it would be one thing if she wanted to play with uh Huey Dewey Louie and they wouldn't let her. I just wanted the genie to enjoy the tea party on its own merits is what I wanted. But instead he realized that it wasn't cool and boy enough and so <laughs> That's he fair. so he was grumpy. And That's I'm like, fair. I just wanted him to enjoy the tea party. Why not? Yeah. Anyways <laughs> Let's go on to our Spoiler Alert. Skip to 42 minutes and 34 seconds. Uh, Like I already said, um, it's just so sad that the rich man lost all of his wealth. And then it's like it's acting really dramatic with the music and everything that Scrooge is in jail. But like, he'll be fine. I'm not like I never felt like this is definitely a thing that's going to irreparably change the show and this, the guy's life. Like, no, he's going to get his bank bag. It's fine. Yeah, so first Dijon gets the the lamp, and that's, he wishes for Scrooge's wealth, Scrooge's money. Yeah. Uh, before the the crew, you know, gets uh, Scrooge out by, like, scraping all their money together, I guess. Well, yeah, he, Scrooge goes to the bank that is now Dijon's place and Dijon has the cops put him in jail for trespassing, I guess. Um, yeah, that's... I wasn't entirely sure. I was like, he just walked into a place. But whatever. Uh, he gets put in jail and then, yeah, the like you were saying, the crew bails him out or whatever. And then they... I bet they... he doesn't pay them back ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I bet he knows... I, and, but, of course, it, Scrooge knows how to break into his own place. Right. So they go to do that, but then uh, Murloc 
uh, hitches a ride. He's uh, a little cockroach. And, and, <laughs> and yeah, so there's kind of a fight for the, the lamp. Um, and then, and then, of course, Murloc does get it because things have to get like real dire or whatever. Um, and I thought the animation with the bank uh, transforming into a fortress and like the staircase crumbling and the kids are on it and in peril and stuff. I thought that all looked really good. Like that was that was some really nice animation. Yeah, how the the staircase kind of moved. While yeah, it was, yeah. I thought. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it even reminded me a little bit there of like um, Thief and the Cobbler and some of the. Because especially like some of the lighting and stuff, I don't know, it reminded me some of the end part where the thief is going through the the fortress the as it's crumbling and yeah. everything. Just yeah. a little bit of those vibes, probably not even purposefully. But anyways, yeah, I just, it looked nice. I liked it. It was a creepy, cool design, too. I mean, that, oh, that the, the, for, the, the fortress. fortress. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it looked... It looked it it's did, so extra. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> the, the chair, like, wing claw things come out of it. Right. Or, or, or the throne. It yeah, was yeah. throne. Yeah, that yeah, reminds yeah. me. Sorry, it's thrown in Dragon Age Inquisition, but it reminds me of one of the big thro- the things that you can sit at. Um, for there, I know, I know. Well, just because when those when those claws came, there's one big one that you can choose. That that again, it just it looks stupid as extra. I I, I never choose <laughs> it. <laughs> so, and then yeah, I mean they they fight and there's an extended scene where Scrooge is falling through the air, and then so is so is Murloc trying to get the thing, but Scrooge knocks his transforming thing off, so that guy falls to his death almost certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, almost certainly, like. He fall. You don't see his death, obviously, because it's a kids' movie. But also, like, he quote dies in a way that, like, you could theoretically find some reason to bring him back, and he'd be fine. Except they're not ever going to do that because he's voiced by Christopher Lloyd, and they're not going to pay for Christopher Lloyd again. So that guy's definitely dead. <laughs> um, which fine. Who even cares about him? Okay, let's. I don't understand the genie's age. Yeah. I just... So at the end. Uh, Scrooge's final wish is for the genie to be a real boy. Uh, he had talked earlier about wanting to, like, just play games and whatever. And so, yeah, ostensibly this genie is stuck in the lamp for a really long time. Before then, he was, uh, with the guy whose treasure they were looking for. Before that, he was granting wishes for, for Murloc. And his thing that lets him transform into animals, if he puts it on the lamp, it also gives him unlimited wishes for reasons. Right. So who knows how long he was with Murloc, at least. At least long enough to cause Atlantis and Pompeii, and maybe there was a third thing, I don't remember. Yeah. But yeah, it felt like he was just a kind of whimsical old dude. Like, at least a full man. Just, mm. <laughs> I don't know how old, but like, not a not a child. Uh, but no, at the end, he, he turns into a real boy, a la Pinocchio. And he still just looks and sounds like a man. I yeah. don't, <laughs> and I, but I can like, okay, I guess what I'm saying is, okay, fine. I'll accept that he was turned into a real boy and now he is a boy, but I don't accept that he was, that he was a boy earlier. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, to me, it's like that, be- that makes me beg the question, how, do you become a genie? Are you someone who is trapped and then you're trapped at the age where you were trapped and maybe. become that? I don't know. He's just a, a child, unfortunately, afflicted with a from, disease that makes from, him seem like an old man. Maybe from Atlantis or Pompeii, you know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, I don't. No, because he helped cause that. Never mind. Yeah, so I don't know. Don't know. Um, I also just, I guess, 
there was clearly supposed to be kind of an emotional arc of Scrooge and the genie, like, getting to know each other and Scrooge coming around on him. And it just doesn't feel like that was executed very well. I never really bought it. It was just like, of course, Scrooge is going to ultimately do the right thing because he's supposed to be the hero. But it didn't actually feel like they bonded or, like, had any... I just, I just didn't buy any of it. Yeah, they maybe spend half of the movie together. Yeah, the and they're not. First part is him with the kids, and, yeah. and 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 there's some shenanigans, but like a lot of the bonding happens off screen anyway. Yeah, this uh, just didn't, this just didn't work real well. Also, there's like absolutely no way this kid shows up ever again. Oh, so yeah. it's kind of like this movie ends, and then you'll start season four and never see the character yeah. again. Almost, or, someone can correct me if they want. I, without having even seen the show, there's almost no way that this kid shows up again. <laughs> yeah, it's like, who does he go with? Is he not just know. in, like, a foster system? I Is don't he, does he get adopted? Know. He's like, hey, so-and-so. Scrooge is like, I, I have this kid now. Do you want to take care of it? Right. And it's like, what do you mean you have this kid now? I Yeah. No, I could I could see if he's like, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm sponsoring this less fortunate person and like here's a boarding school who knows (laughs) yeah i don't know mm, yeah (laughs) just lots of questions definitely any other spoiler things let's go on to our favorites and least favorites what was your least favorite scene in the movie i guess a scene in spoilers where where some where, like, Scrooge is having a hard time, because I just don't really emotionally buy it. So it just kind of felt re- fell really flat and felt like I'm just waiting for that part to be over. On a similar note for me at the beginning, where they they escape from the cave, uh, which never made me feel like they were in peril, but then then Scrooge is pouting because he's lost the treasure that he's been looking for 40 oh, sure, years yeah. and goes and sits on the log and is just like all upset. That's true. That felt really, yeah, felt yeah, really. It, it was so, yeah. it felt so forced because everyone else is, is relieved. Hey, we, we made it. We're still alive. And, and I don't know. They were, they were all. It's like, oh, happy. Scrooge, I'm yeah. so sorry. You didn't get that stuff. That yeah, wasn't and, yours. And, and that he's you just wanted. pouting and they're like, well, what's wrong with him? And oh, I didn't get, yeah. Yeah. So that would just. Yeah. Fair. Um, I guess the, uh, the tea party scene with Webby and Jeannie. Because of the, uh, unfortunate racist part? Yeah, and, and the whole sense, like you were saying, of, oh, he doesn't want to do the tea party anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not cool. And then the, how it leading to her wanting all her toys to be alive, and it's like, oh, this isn't good. And yeah, you, yeah. You should have known, man. <laughs> what was your favorite scene in the movie? Kind of when they started playing the theme song at the end, where I'm like, "Yeah, this theme song rocks." <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, you know. Yeah, that's where I was like, oh, "Great song," uh, because otherwise, it's like there's no other characters that you care about through the film. The main ones, it's kind of in the middle of a thing where you're just like, "All right, I guess I'll go with you on stealing this treasure." I- I guess I'll say that my favorite scene was the one in spoilers that I talked about with the cool animation with the the transforming building and all that. I I guess I'll say that. Mm. This is really not. This was harder than the least favorite. (laughs) 
I think I am just going to, I think I'm going to agree with Valerie because just the very end, seriously, just it like upbeat. And again, I love that theme song. And I think I was ready for maybe for the movie to be over. But so I think that was my, that was my favorite scene. Like arguably just definitely not actually a scene at all, but but fine. (laughs) Who was your least favorite character? Uh, Murloc sucks. Uh, Dijon also sucks. I was going to say Dijon. I think Dijon because he's in so much of the movie and just all of his humor just feels coated by that race layer that's really uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think I'm going to agree. Who was your favorite character in the movie? Um, that's hard as well. I'm going to say Webby and I know that they did not do her co- her character justice. But honestly, justice, I might agree. But she's just such a cutie and like the, the thing that I, to me, one of the true genuine little little moments of the thing was when you know she had gotten the lamp because she really liked it but then when you know scrooge had his pity party um at after they escaped then she just immediately just went to got her little lamp and said well you can have this you know because he had lost all of his treasure yeah she's just such a cutie yeah i have yeah i definitely prefer her later version but still yeah i think i agree yeah i'll agree as well uh, here's a real easy one. Who should Tim Curry have played? Oh, definitely Merlin. Murloc. 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 Murloc sorry. Mur- if Murloc. it was exactly the same, but Tim Curry voiced him, he still wouldn't be that good a character, but I would have enjoyed him more. But yeah. I know Tim Curry would have brought new ones. And I think they could have had him do more voice. I yeah. think if Tim Curry had been there, they could have had him do more voice work during- while he was like, uh, a a rat and, and a cockroach, Lord, yeah. and just have him yeah. just have him make like his ugh sounds know, and stuff like that. You know he would have. They exactly. would have had to do something because there's no way Tim Curry would have just like done that. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, to me, he's kind of like Robin Williams in that sense that there's a certain amount of improv that that Tim Curry is going to do. So yeah, he would have no, made he w- it he arguably better. He would have made a bad character slightly less bad. Mm-hmm. That makes me think of a question. You bring up Robin Williams, how? was I mean obviously Robin Williams Genie is the best, but obviously. like mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of times I guess they try it feels like things try to do kind of a meta genie. And I know this was before, right? It was. So like I guess interpretations of genies. Uh, I don't know if a comparison or just like I thought this one was cute to me. It was surprisingly cute and it I, I liked that he really didn't want to do the wishes, not out of capriciousness, but because he always felt like that wasn't going to be what was like best for anybody. He's like, this is just going to cause problems. And I, I liked that aspect. Um, that was, yeah, that was interesting where he's like, this just goes bad. Not like I make yeah, it go bad, but, but it just like, does the go bad. The bigger it is, the yeah. worse it will be. Yeah. That felt like a, a take on a genie character that I wasn't, I wasn't used to, so I, I enjoyed that aspect. Um, I think there needed to be a clearer idea of if he's a child or not, um, and just clear communication of that, because he just never felt like one. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I think what I find most interesting about him is just his reluctance to want to do any magic at all. I thought that was interesting. Um, obviously, Robin Williams' genie is 50 billion times better, but like... Yeah, I guess in this sense, too, with this genie, he is not all-knowing or like right uh outside of time in a way like he gets his information by reading a full encyclopedia yeah he literally has to like catch up yeah it's Uh, like the amount whenever he's in the lamp he's not necessarily 
perceiving things unless he's currently serving a master or whatever it seems like yeah he was just stuck in that cave for forever so he didn't learn anything that's Mm -hmm. that's interesting in that sense and i think that fits into the like it would make sense for him to be a child versus like if if the genie was all-knowing and just wanted to be immortal that's different yeah um so yeah i guess there is nice to have a little bit of difference there um, obviously them not trying to be different from Robert William Sheeney because he was, it was before that. Right. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's so easy to compare with Robin William, Robin William Sheeney because he's like the, uh, setting the standard. Right. Uh, so ubiquitous, uh, that like, uh, comparing things before. Yeah. Oh, and that's another thing with the genie of usually they are. Another interpretation is them twisting the wishes and stuff like that. Right. And so you have to do the work to like the genie. Which is part of why Return of Jafar is fun, because it actually goes with that interpretation with Jafar. Anyways. Yeah. But good question. Thank you. I like, yeah, that I feel was like great. Return of Jafar is underrated. I've heard more in the past couple of months of people talking about how it's bad, and it just upsets me. It's, That's not what I was it's talking about. got okay. a lot of problems, but anyways. Uh, but, yeah, I wasn't done. Um, of the genie's twisting wishes, and so he doesn't do that. Right. So you don't have to work to like him. You just mm-hmm. get to like him for what he is. I had to work a little bit just because of his character design and voice, but... <laughs> But but yeah, again, he's not like, oh yeah, I'll uh, make a giant Sunday, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how you would twist that, but whatever. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, okay, right, yeah, just curious. Let's go on now to our overall consensus and what we would rate it. So I wouldn't recommend this unless you're like rewatching original Ducktales and want to throw this in there with that. Yeah, hopping into it, not seeing it, it's just not really engaging. I would give it, I guess, like, it doesn't look particularly bad or anything, but there's no, there's nothing very interesting about it. Like, you're not getting more of the characters that you know. The new characters aren't interesting. There's also just a surprising amount of things that don't hold up. Yeah, that too. So... I'm teetering between a 1.5 and a 1.75. We'll go with 1.5, I guess. I think I'm going to go. Sorry, I think I'm going to go with a 1.75, and I also wouldn't recommend it because one of the the biggest factors that I think is again, unless you have been watching the series, I don't think it makes that it would be it would be very enjoyable if you have not, like I said, been caught up in the series. And it did seem more episodic than just a full movie. But the animation, you know, I enjoyed uh, and the look of the characters. But again, the biggest thing that makes me want to rewatch something and makes me rate it higher is that rewatchability. And I can't see myself wanting to rewatch this. Yeah, I don't recommend it. I'm going to go with the 1.5. Cause I'm looking here, and I like I I would rather watch the first half of Boxy's Lord of the Rings or We're Back a Dinosaur Story. I think. <laughs> yeah, the comparing it to We're Back, it's like the music. At least there's some. At, yeah, le- that is at true. least I liked half of We're Back and half of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Those are was the the that girl character being really aggressive. Oh, <laughs> like, there was oh, obviously okay. plenty of issues. We gave them one point seven fives, but. 
Yeah, 1.5. Um, I just, I don't think it's that good. And then there's a surprising amount of things that just don't hold up, whether it's actual isms or just kind of the way that our culture has in general kind of moved away from just portraying rich people as as inherently just inherently good (laughs) and correct and like the idea of museums and taking things from cultures that don't belong to you as inherently correct that's just if that's changed um and in a lot for a lot of people including me so just doesn't it doesn't hold up that well and it's not that interesting anyways so 1.5 Okay, you're gonna you're gonna laugh because then it's gonna mess up my normal writing thing. But I'm gonna drop it to a one point six five because oh, I think no. I would rather see. That's fine. I would rather see we're back a dinosaur story. It's actually really <laughs> funny because I was the only one that was firmly stuck on. I need to have point five, point seven five, yeah. and so on. And you guys used to just do your own thing, but you guys have kind of just adapted to my system and it's really actually pretty interesting to me because <laughs> i never asked you guys to well i mean i might have like whined some early on but it was like joking and stuff and you guys were intent on doing your own things and did but just all of the ratings lately have conformed to my system um except for marie who gave uh lord of the rings or no gave return of the king a 3.14 <laughs> Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Uh, she, yes. she actually, in case she's listening to this, she did tell me specifically that it's pie and the full riding out of pie, but I did not do that. Um, but yeah. Anyways, it's just funny that you guys have kind of probably without intending to just adapted to the way that I do it. Um, so yes, I will break that mold. I will be officially 1.65. All right. Movie. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank Thank you you so much. And I would love you all to join me on Twitch um, every every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Come join my stream. This second season is Witcher 3. You'll also hear my lovely daughter and daughter-in-law. Well, I guess you'll see them. Yeah. See them. And and occasionally, yeah, and occasionally I am rescued via (laughs) phone. (laughs) But you guys come join because it's just a really chill playthrough. I let you guys, I even let, you know, everybody if they want to choose, help me choose dialogue options and what we do. And it's just fun. It's just fun. So be there. Be square. Yes. And follow her on Twitter, both at Nana Critter, because you can see her art. Yeah. Oh, yes. She has some great art. Thank you. Yes. I I started drawing again. Next time, we will be watching another movie. Cool. (laughs) Looking forward to it. Hope it doesn't suck. (laughs) So please join us next time. (laughs) Bye. 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 Love (laughs) y'all. This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 2790566. Every little bit helps and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H dot com. 
Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening! A uh, quick pause on this, and I'm just going to cut this bit out. So, you know the word is oft, right? What did I say? You keep saying often, and you did it in your stream, oh, too, and oft. we were all making fun of you for it. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. it's just oft. Okay. Like, someone oft. got oft. They got not, oft. They got okay. ofted. Okay. I love you very much. It's really funny. <laughs>